Anybody can sing, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm better than blessed, I'm more than blessed, I'm supersonic blessed, I'm more blessed than you are, more blessed than everybody. But when something comes against that blessing, that's when you you better keep singing that song. You sing a different song, you'll be sorry. (laughs) Don't change your tune. Amen. And for some people, it'll be the first time they started singing something. You got me? It's never too late. Amen. We don't condemn anybody for being late to the party, as long as you got the right clothes on. Amen. That's what you, but you got to be concerned about. So praise God. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Thank you that your word brings understanding. You, you, you say that the entrance of your word brings light and it brings understanding even to the simple. So we thank you, Lord, for the entrance of your word that helps us brings us to truth, to knowledge, to reconciliation, to wholeness. It brings us every good thing that it needs to bring about in our lives. So we honor you and love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. So we're going to still talk about why blood. Amen. You know, the one thing I did think about is is so many of the things that God has promised us and wants to do for us will go unclaimed by us. See, We're still claiming earthly riches. When we should have backed that truck up and put the, the cart in front of, I mean the horse in front of the cart and go for the spiritual riches first. So now we're scrambling to get the spiritual riches things in order. Man. Now if if what the covenant promises us was not important to Jesus that we collect all of it, why'd he die? Why did he suffer the way he did and give his life if it weren't important to him that we receive everything that his blood paid for? And see, this is where we need to pause a little bit and reflect on the the history of blood as far as our covenant with God is concerned and, and how important it is. If blood is shed at every juncture, you'll see that in the Bible. When man first sinned, blood was shed to bring him back to God. When God developed the priesthood, well, even before that, when he made the covenant with Abraham, Abraham said, how will I know that you're going to give me a son and, and this foreigner won't inherit everything that I have? And God had him split animals and he walked through blood. That bloody footprint is our history of how important every word of God is. Because blood had been shed for that, Jesus left bloody footprints all the way up to Calvary. Amen? So the bloody footprint of the priesthood is throughout the word of God. Every place that God's covenant was enforced, there is a bloody footprint to show for that. When Abraham, when God cut the covenant and he put Abraham to sleep in Genesis, I think it's 13, something like that, Genesis 13, uh, the uh, 15, the reference I was talking about, he caused a deep sleep to come on Abraham. 
And it said a smoking furnace and a burning lamp passed through the pieces. So there were bloody footprints walking through those pieces. It's evidence of this is a new walk, a cleansed walk. This is a sinless walk. This is a walk where life has been given for it. This is a walk that you can receive everything that I have for you. Because here's the evidence. There's a bloody footprint. When the priests on the Day of Atonement, they walk through blood because they had to shed enough blood to sprinkle the people, to sprinkle the elements on the altar, to sprinkle themselves so that they could be clean going into the Holy of Holies. So there's bloody footprint evidence throughout man's history that God wants him to live a full life, a sinless life, a righteous life. And he's made provision for it. See, that footprint throughout evidence is history where God walked through blood. God is man is God's representative walked through blood. And then man is God's only son walked through blood so that we can receive. Now, if, if his blood, if he did all of that, why is it that we can just say we want this and don't want that? And we don't want to do this and we want to do that and we don't want to. I mean, it really needs to be taken seriously. The Bible says, how can we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So God doesn't want us to neglect any part of his covenant. And my contention is that, that we would receive more of it if we put first things first. If we recognize the power of the shed blood and walk in the knowledge of that. In fact, insist upon walking in the knowledge of that as a first principle of our life in Christ. Amen? I mean, why should we not put that blood first and what it did? Why should we put what the things we need in our faith and how to claim stuff, why should that be such a top priority all the time? And not the things that really purchased and made available even our very breath, even our health, even our ability to stand, even our ability to think normal thoughts and to have holy aspirations. Amen? Things that, that were denied us in the old life are now available because of the blood. So it's essential that we honor the blood, understand it, and put it first. is a first principle in all things. You know, a lot of times people invent crazy doctrines, and they're all to push the blood out of its preeminent spot in God's covenant. And you don't have to do this, do that. Oh, Jesus paid that. You don't have to. You, you understand what I'm saying? Cheap. They cheapen what God did. And Jesus held off until the right time to come into the earth so that he could announce to the world that we were now free. That we were not under bondage to anything anymore. Not under the devil's bondage. Not under the bondage of your past, your record, your sins. Any, you're, not, you're just totally free. I have given you the keys to death, hell, and the grave. You have authority over all the works of the devil. Rejoice and applaud because the blood has given that to you. He has paid for that. 
every kindred and every tongue. Nobody's left out of this blood covenant. It's for all humanity for all time. And see, all of us blood-bought, we can rejoice in that. You don't have to wait until your favorite scripture. You don't have to wait until your favorite teaching or your favorite. You can rejoice because we all are bought with the same blood. And it means something to us. It was very important to God that man be reconciled first to him and then to one another. Reconciliation is up top on the list. Holiness is first. You got to get out of your sins first. And you got to understand that the blood paid for that. How did it pay for that? It, the Bible says that it, it began to remove ordinances of the law that were contrary to us. So we're talking about the curse of the law. So the blood removes those. By taking away every spot, every blot, you know, we think we know what we need from God. We have no clue. You understand what I'm saying? It's like, oh, God, I wish I was more loving toward people. I wish I was this. Let's shut up, okay? You have no clue what's needed. You know, that's our problem. We talk it when we need to be sitting up listening somewhere. Huh? <laughs> Just let that blood start talking to you. Oh, what do you mean? Yeah, the blood talks. Blood has a voice. It speaks many things that are for our good. Start listening to the voice of that shed blood. It speaks by the Holy Spirit. Amen? The resurrected Spirit of God is the power by which the blood was, was uh, the power that was released when the penalty was paid by the blood. So the blood and the spirit agree. And so when the, the spirit of God begins to speak to you, he's speaking from the contents of that blood. He's speaking what that blood is looking at that it can supply to you that you need. Huh? We run around here thinking we, I, I, I need more friends. I just need to get on social media and start trying to find some more friends. Huh? You have no clue what you need. What you need is a good bloodbath. You need a cleansing. You need a washing from the desires of the world. You need something to come into your life that's different than anything else you ever had before. You need a fresh wind of pure love. Amen. You need a fresh wind of of unconditional love that's there for you all the time, even on your worst day mess up. It's still there waiting for you to embrace you. Many times we don't even realize God has closed so many doors that we can't get into. And we keep trying to beat our way back to them anyway. Like Israel when, when things got a little tough for them. See, things get a little tough when God requires something from us. Oh, no man, anything but to love him. 
that wasn't talking about getting out of debt. And see, the first thing people do is go sign up for a debt-free program. Well, listen, I can always go across the street. Huh? That wasn't even talking about money. What that really means to say is that if you refuse to shed the love of God through your heart to another human being, you become indebted. See, that's the only way you can incur debt under this covenant is refuse love. You got me? So God says if if you refuse to love people, then you get yourself in debt. And you think about it, you walk around hating on people, you walk around in disagreement with people, and you find the weight of your sin pressing on you and pressing and pressing and pressing and pressing. So that's really where the debt is. It's in not obeying the voice of the blood that tells you to love. A new command that I give to you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. But I don't love you. You love yourself enough. You feed yourself. You clothe yourself. You take care of yourself. Do that for your neighbor. That's all I'm saying. And don't begrudge your neighbor the basics. If you just have the basics, you make sure you're not uh, withholding the basics from neighbor if you can do it. If you can only pray, which I shouldn't say only pray, but, you know, people put it in that only category. Because if your resources are thin, you certainly have a covenant with God where you can go to petition at the throne of grace for people on their behalf. That's loving your neighbor as yourself. If you would pray for yourself for the things you need, go pray for somebody else for the same thing. See, it's not hard. But when we think about it, we put all these crazy stipulations out there like, a, well, you know it, and suppose they don't love me, and suppose they say this, if I, and suppose they don't, and suppose, suppose, suppose. God did, did not say he was going to bless you according to the supposing of your neighbor. In fact, he seldom talks to us about anybody but us. You can't do anything about your neighbor's faults anyway. So why does that concern everybody? Huh? You can only help you to get over. And that's a big job to get over the finish line. That'll keep you in your word for six hours a day easy. Huh? Go to meddling and carrying on, and then you wonder why your answer is so slow in coming. Huh? So the new commandment is to love God and love the neighbor as self. You can't cheat on this one because it's one commandment. It's not two. It's really one. Amen? 
So what God is saying here, he says, is I give you my love specifically so that you can share it with somebody else. It says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. God's love in us is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So what God is really saying is, he says, I've given you enough that you can win anybody over. You can reconcile any difference. You can settle any argument, any debt, any difference. I've given you enough for you to be able to take care of that from now until I come back again. And he's looking for his people to start living like they really believe they have a covenant with him. He's looking for us to begin to forgive one another and quit accusing one another and wanting to malign people that we disagree with. Get out of the flesh. Find the blood footprints so you can step into them and get yourself cleansed. Allow God to show you the power and the, the, the miracle that the blood can do in your life. If you respect it and release it enough in your life so it can do its good work. So reconciliation is top on God's list. Reconciliation really means to live a life where all debts are canceled. Our debts against anybody are canceled. And we're not talking about money. Reconciliation means to live with peace among souls and to live an offense-free life. The blood is paid for our peace with one another. It has paid all debts for all offenses. So if your brother offend you, you can go freely to him. And reconcile and just say, well, you know, I'm sorry about our misunderstanding or so. You know, see what people want to do instead of going to entreat somebody and humble themselves, they go with an accusatory attitude. Well, you offended me when you said, no, 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 honey, that's just out. That's out of bounds. You forget that. Now, if that's the best you can do, you didn't need the bloody footprints. Why don't you walk through the blood first? Why don't you do this? Think about it, what, what it costs Jesus for you to humble yourself. Just keep that. He didn't die for you. To go and put more accusation on blood-bought people who are struggling just like you to live a free life, free of fear, free of, of condemnation, free of guilt. He paid for us to live a reconciled life. That's not a perfect life. Don't get me wrong. See, perfect, don't even put that in your vocabulary because most of us don't even know what we're thinking about or talking about. But he died for us to live a reconciled life. That means it's made right with him first. 
Forget about people. See, we so people conscious and people crazy and people happy and people delirious. Well, you know, it's a common mistake we make. Because we are all made in the image of God. And we're all looking for God. Trust me. Whether you know that's who you're looking for or not, the Bible says all men seek after him. Amen. So it's natural that we get confused a little bit. We start looking at people. and I wish they was, wasn't so picky about something. I wish they didn't complain so much. I wish they didn't. What you're doing is you're trying to build an idol there. You don't have sense enough to know it. Because why you want that person made up, over? Made into your likeness so you can worship them instead of God. That's why God will leave your best friend toe up from the flow up crazy acting and all kind of stupidity. Instead of remaking them so you can like them better. Because as long as they got faults and you don't like them, you're going to cry out to God for something. Isn't that right? Well, God, I wish. God, I wish. God, I wish. That's why he leaves us all in the state we're in. And he commands us to love one another just like we are. So you don't get it twisted and stay twisted with it. Well, my boss could be uh, different about, well, you know the boss, Dave, you know, you know how the boss is. All these boss killers out here. Want to get rid of them. And none but a spirit of rebellion. When you don't want authority in your life, you've got a real problem. Because you're never going to submit to God's authority. Well, see, God, he different. No, 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 no. We know God is different, but do you know that God is very similar to that boss you can't stand? Authority. Responsibility. You know, some people carry their duties better than others. But people still have been invested with certain qualities and certain abilities. And God is testing us to see how we respond to that in our lives. It's the same thing in a marriage, husband and wife. God is testing us to see how we respond to leadership Mutual submission, loving one another, forgiving one another, forbearing one another, all of that stuff. That's why he don't mess with people just because you don't like them. So reconciliation goes beyond how you feel about somebody. Reconciliation has nothing to do with how somebody rubs you, how they don't rub you, how you feel about them, how you don't feel about them. It has to do with obedience 
to the voice of the blood, when it speaks to you to forgive, when it speaks to you to love, when it speaks to you that you don't have to hold on to this grudge any longer, when it starts speaking to you, that's when God, that's what God starts measuring you on is how you respond to that voice. The average person. God, how come I have to be the one to do all the forgiving all the time? I have to be the one to. So he can get that out of you. That resentment of having to obey him. He requires us to obey him first. But see, if we can't get people out of our eyes, all we ever see Is that here somebody is again trying to run my life, boss me around, tell me what to do. And I got to put up with it. You know, we don't put up with things. We submit to God's authority, folks. And we begin to live in the joy of the blood-bought life. You'll only enjoy this if you obey the voice of that blood that cries out for you to really get to know your neighbor, to really get to love your neighbor. You don't really know people until you make up your mind to love them. I'm going to say it again. You know, you don't really get to know people until you make up your mind to love them. When you decide... I don't care about their faults. I don't care about that. This God tells me that I must do this. And let that work for a little bit. See, we don't know how it works until we, by faith, put it into operation. And then you'll find out, you know what, I, that person's not so bad after all. I thought they were this and that. But I was just looking through my eyes of condemnation toward them because something about them rubbed me the wrong way. I don't mean to step on nobody's toes around here, but see, we we walk around each other all the time sitting next and don't even know who we sit next to. We don't know the worth, the value, any of that. You know, God had to deliver me of of a lot of stuff before he could trust me to prophesy to people. Did you know I can't run around hating on people and, and carry God's word for them? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Because y'all wouldn't know which barrel I'd be shooting out from one day to the next. And when I'm mad at y'all, I let you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> but we don't get over into... I'll be to work my last nerve. Huh? And I'm sure I work yours too. But it's all good. It's all love. We forgive each other and keep living. See, it's not the end of the world. Seriously. Getting on somebody's nerve is not the great tragedy we think it is. Huh? If I could buy extra 10 feet of nerve sometime, I think I would. And you too. 
Uh But this is so important to God. That he gave his, his blood, the blood of his son, so that we could reconcile. And I don't mean just being nice to each other until we get out the door and say, oh, boy, I'm glad that's over there. Woo! Woo! Huh? But I mean sincerely love people. But I had to get over, get delivered from looking at people through my own eyes and start looking. That's all it took for me. I don't know what it might take for you, but that's all it took for me. Was to quit looking the way I look at things in the natural and start looking at people the way God sees them. Huh? And it becomes a blessing and a heartbreak at the same time. Because you see people with great potential. But somehow, either they either refuse to live up to it, refuse to recognize it. You understand what I'm saying? Most of us, myself included, you understand what I'm saying? But then the potential side keeps you energized in speaking to that spirit on the inside of that person that one day it would ignite and catch on fire and that person would start to realize who they really are. And start to walk it out every day. God wants us to be everything that he paid for us to be. He wants us to enjoy everything he paid for us to enjoy. There is no enjoyment of life without an appreciation, application to your life. Of the shed blood of Jesus. To give you new life. Renewed life. To give you that foundation. Of cleanliness. Of no fear. No condemnation. No guilt. No remorse. You know sometimes you find people get older in years. And and they start thinking back all of Oh I wish I could have done this and done that. You know to be honest with you, now I ain't that old. Where'd that come from? <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. And I thought to myself, Lord, the older I get, the more I realize I don't have time to sit around thinking about what I didn't do or what I could have done differently. Or In fact, I couldn't even conjure none of that up. You know why? I work hard to make sure the blood has covered all of that. And it's been nailed to the cross. And the things that are hard for me are don't count anymore because Jesus nailed those to the cross too. So I don't have a challenge beyond my ability to meet it because of the blood. Did you hear what I said? You don't have a challenge beyond your ability to meet it because of the power of the blood. We're so afraid sometimes to ask God, well, God, I want this and I want that, but I don't seem to be getting there. Can you tell me what I need to do? Can you tell me how to help myself? Can you tell me what it is? Can What is it that I What is it that you need from me? What is it that I need to quit doing? What is it that I need to nail somewhere? What is it? 
But see, the fact that the blood pays for everything assures you it's not too hard for you to do. You can ask that question without being afraid of what God's going to tell you. (laughs) Sometimes it's so easy, it'll shock you. You shock yourself. Yeah, I was praying for somebody that, that needed their finances. They were, somebody was messing with money they worked for, and it was a little difficult for them. And, and so I had prayed for them a couple of times, and then uh, they called me and said, well, you know, I haven't got it. I called them and asked or texted them and said, did you get your money yet? And so they said, no, I haven't come through yet. And I, I, God told me to tell them, send $10 to the ministry. And I said, excuse me, $10? (laughs) To moi? (laughs) I'm a three-figure gal myself. I don't usually, you know. He sent $10 in and God started pouring. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold it. But see, the blood... Paid for any deficit or not enough-ish in things. So I had to leave my faith engaged in it because I would have been the culprit. Can't rob from some young person trying to trust God. But you know sometimes God will give you things to say to check your religious self. And the Lord told me, he said, this is what I mean when I say my grace is sufficient. He said, whatever it is they do and have faith to do, he said, my grace allows that to be sufficient for the need that they are putting forth at the altar. Okay, Lord. So then then when when some others saw this person prosper, everybody got on the back <laughs> Everybody, you know what I'm saying? It's party time, then. Amen. Revelation will do that to you. See, that's revealed word. That ain't just some step in formula you pick up out the Bible and say, let me try this and see if it works. That was a revealed word for that person in their situation. Because they needed to see God move. Reconciliation is very important to God. He's not big on this, you know, everybody at odds with everybody and quarreling over everything. He's paid enough for everybody to feel welcome at his table. For everybody to feel that they can be a part of this. Reconciliation means that you who were once afar off are made nigh by the cross. You're made close to him. I was thinking about the Apostle John and how, you know, when you ever see pictures on the Last Supper, you see the dude that's leaning on Jesus, the whole, John, and John. But, uh, you know, and I used to think, come on now, John. Man, 
the man up. I don't know, you know, and like. <sighs> then, then one time I just started thinking, God said, what would you do if you had perfect love around you all the time? What would you do? Would you have enough understanding of what's important in your life to want to be a part of that, to draw near to it? Uh, would you have enough understanding of how much perfect love can help you? How much if you could just get close enough for a little bit of it to rub off on you? What it could do for you? Huh? And what what would you do if you could carry perfect love around on the inside of you all the time? You give everything. And that's what we've done as believers. We forsake all and follow the Lord. Amen? But we need to come into a, a better understanding of who we're following and what we're doing when we say we follow him. You follow him to obey him all the way down the line. Everything that you do, you do it totally for him. Everything. So the blood speaks reconciliation. It speaks peace among souls. That means that any gap can be bridged by this blood. So the Muslim, if he becomes blood-bought, can be friends with the Christians that we've persecuted one another throughout the years everybody persecutes somebody at some time the slave can can sit at the table with the rich man who was once the slave holder because of the blood of jesus it pays the highest penalty the person that that murdered someone can be forgiven by the family of the victim because of the blood and people do, when they do that, they pay a high price. You, it would shock you, the people in a family that will persecute and ridicule somebody who wants to forgive someone who's, who's offended them. So it's not like people do this just out of nowhere and on a regular basis. But it can be regular if we'll apply the blood in the right way. So because of the blood, it's paid for our peace, which means all debts, for all offenses are paid for all time. It takes people of different cultures, languages, ethnicities, and makes them one blood. And that doesn't mean one blood and you take remnants of the old blood with you. That means you forsake the old and step into the new. That's how you become one blood. See, you're not... Uh, um, a black church or a white church you're either the church or you're not you don't have this ethnic thing you know in in differentiating because you came from here and you came from there And no Jesus said I broke that middle wall of partition so you mingle with one another as one family huh you know, you can go anywhere and, and feel free in the house of God to worship him as long as you go to worship. But as soon as worship stops and people start gabbing and carrying on with each other, then that's when the problems come. Huh? 
Because we yet see each other by the flesh. But God longs for the day when that stuff is nailed to the tree and it doesn't mean anything. Because those who really love God are being sorted out and separated out from the people who are are just there for a show or just there for whatever they can get. There's an acceptance that comes because of that one blood. You know that you're accepted in the beloved of God. You you know there's there's people groups of people that that understood that to a degree but then the devil would get a hold of it in the flesh. You know what I'm saying? Like your typical Baptist, they can't chase me away from the church. You know, there that there's a part of you that knows that you're accepted and you have a right to be there. But then you walk it out in the flesh because you don't know the power of blood to to soften your heart toward people that you might have odds against. So we got to go the whole way with the blood, folks. You can't go. The blood is not a halfway part way phenomenon. It's an all the way. (laughs) You know, we think we're going to give and then stop at a certain point. Huh? We do a little bit of this and see how it works. And if it works okay, we do a little bit more. And all the married people said, I tried it and it didn't work. Huh? God sees you cheating all the time. Huh? Why do we feel convicted when we don't go all the way? Because the blood compels us to go all the way because it's an all-the-way phenomenon in the blood. If Jesus went all the way, he compels us to go all the way. You can't stop loving and giving and forgiving if you want to. What else you going to do? Well, I'm going to show them. And after a while, you don't know who's showing who. You get so confused. Got your gifted no apologies t-shirt on. Some of that ain't even impressing the devil. You know what I'm saying? It's just a t-shirt to him. But we want to hold back. Yeah, You say things like, well, I helped them out this time, but this is the last time I'm going. (laughs) Am I right, Poppy? Yeah. Uh-huh. And no. You don't call stop on something that's blood bought. Your compassion for your children, your desire for them to have a good life, that can that was purchased by the blood. That's not something that you didn't make that up. You can't start it and you can't stop it. You can't put a hold on it because you think it'd be better. Well, they just being wasteful and they ain't being, you know, they should be in church. They be, yeah, 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 we all know that. But the blood compels you 
to wait to see what God has to say about it and then move accordingly. According to what God says. You could never make it through all of the stuff that you have to go through as a husband, a wife, a son, a daughter, a parent, none of that kind of stuff. If the blood hadn't paid for the whole thing. Just think in terms of total payment and you can't hold back if you want to. It's not your decision to make to hold back on God's goodness. Amen. If God says hold back, you hold back. Even though you're having tears in your eyes because you would rather give so that you didn't feel so guilty and so bad for him. But God says hold back, you hold back. Why? Because the blood is paid for it to work out okay for you. And work out for your child. See, it's an all-the-way phenomenon. It's not, you can't, you know, you partake of the blood and then you start controlling everything. Right. Well, I'm sick and tired of footing the bill for, Huh? Some parents would be thankful to have kids that squander their money. <laughs> you understand? I mean, seriously. That speak to them. And don't hang up when they call. Oh, yeah. So when you think about the blood, you think about going all the way. You don't have control over Anything anymore in this covenant, you've got to go along for the ride. You've got to ride it out, good, bad, or indifferent. And it gets to be a rough ride sometimes. It's not all, you know, on the blessing side and everything's wonderful. So we said the blood pays all debts. It re- erases all sins and past records. This is important. people's names come up or their face comes up to you what where do your thoughts go to go to their past faults and or does it go to well lord i just thank you for that person thank you for the you know i i remember when i was praying um first learning how to pray in a bible study we had the the teacher that I had we always got good results with our prayer efforts and I learned how to uh, remember and understand the things that were prayed and how they were prayed because prayer meetings are a good opportunity for people to start talking other people's business and you know not that that's really going to hurt you for all the paranoid people out there that think somebody's words can do something against you or they have a knowledge of your problems is detrimental for you. But I remember that we would always thought, start out <clears throat> with thanksgiving. And we would thank God for his covenant and thank him for that individual that stood in the need of something. And the anointing would always come in and help us to pray more accurately that prayer. Because thanksgiving always brings increase. 
But being thankful for a person that has a need puts value on that person in everybody's eyes. See, a prayer meeting can go from a, 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 an elevated place to a, 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 a place of condemnation real easy if it doesn't go up into the heavens and, and rest up there with God and it stays down here on ground level. Being thankful for people, being thankful that they are here, being thankful that they are a part of the body of Christ, being thankful that they're a part of your assembly, being thankful for them. The blood has made us, it's paid for our acceptance in the beloved of God, that we can draw close to God without fear, without dread, without thinking that there's something wrong with us that cannot be fixed and we won't get what we need from God. Many times we don't pursue God and pursue the things that our faith is craving that we receive. Because of some deficiency in the way that we see what the blood is able to do for us. If the blood purges you, cleanses you from all dead works, then there's nothing but life coming to you from this day forward. See, if, if, if your conscience is pur- purged from dead works, you can't even think of something stupid to do. That's going to disqualify you from God's covenant. It doesn't exist. And see, if we don't recognize that power to put us into a holy state and a righteous state so that when you when righteousness starts to flow out of you, there's nothing hindered. There's no mountains in your life anymore. There's no restrictions in your happiness anymore. There's nothing against you anymore because righteousness, there's no law against it. So righteousness is like your green light in the spirit that's always green all the time. Every time you go before God, you say, God, please forgive me my sins and let righteousness flow from my mouth and my heart at your throne. Let the things that are right always be in my life. Don't ever drop that connection with him. Always remember that connection, how you got there and get back there again and abide there and stay there. Walk in those bloody footprints. Because they are left for us to show us the way. To his heart and righteousness and the right things to do at all times. The blood gives us a fresh start. I mean, no past whatsoever. A fresh start. People walk around in condemnation of mind. They're always trying to fix up their lives. And it's sad to see because you think to yourself, my goodness, you've been saved X number of years. You ain't figured this out yet. 
Why are you trying to fix up your past? It's like, how many of you remember a house you grew up in when you were little? It ain't worth living in now, is it? For most of us. Amen. Well, it's like God giving you, it says, well, no, I'm going to give you the house that you want. Say, ooh, let me go back and start fixing that thing up. Why would you invest a blood-bought life into something that doesn't serve you anymore? It's not even on your radar for wanting to, to live in that anymore. That old thing, let that thing die. You know, the Bible says old things are passed away. They're dead to you. All things are new. Well, I don't even understand what that means, God. Just keep walking. You will. Find the bloody footprints and keep walking in the blood and the blood-stained footprints, and you'll find out what it is. But you got to exercise a little faith, folks, to get there. He's not going to sit you over here in the land of condemnation and then show you something wonderful out there. You're going to have to get over with him in faith before you can see what it is. That was Israel's problem. God brought him out. They hated Pharaoh, brought, brought them out of there. Then the next thing you know, they're murmuring, complaining for the life they used to have, which was no life. Why? Fear. They refused to mix what God told them with faith, even though God was promising them everything that they wanted. God will never go beyond the desire of your heart promising you anything. He has to put it in your heart first and cause you to desire it. Then he'll reveal it to you. But see, so many Christians sit in neutral. I wonder, I wonder. Well, you know, I know God going to bless me, but I don't want this and I don't want that. Well, he'll, you know, the don't wants never get answered. Or they do get answers. You don't get it. But he needs you to mix the word with faith. When has faith ever hurt you? Once your faith is involved in it, then he will start to go forward with bringing it to you. But you know what we do sometimes, you know, here's the promised land over here. We Here's the little mountain. We, I don't know, let me see what's, ooh, that, ooh, that don't, you know, that, that mountain's so big, girl, I don't, ooh, we, and them shoes I got, they ain't hurting my feet now anyway. I don't know if I can make it up over all of that right there, huh? Then we start worshiping the mountain. Ooh, you see that mountain? I mean, you sure. Whatever you focus on as an obstacle to your promise will get bigger than God eventually. And you'll stay right where you are. You won't have it. But the blood gives you confidence to trust that what God has for you, you want it. Well, that went over real big. I felt the air come out of the room. Woo! Well, I don't know about all that. Yeah, you won't know either. 
you've got to trust. The blood gives you the ability to trust God. It's not without power to convert your soul. The blood can make your mind flip-flop over and then all of a sudden you see, you know what, this is what God has been telling me all along. And I never took the time to really try and understand what he was trying to get over to me. Blood's paid for you to have confidence in God. To stop serving dead works and start serving the living God. In other words, start serving everything that has life. Everything will be fresh and new. Everything will be vibrant. Everything will bring you joy. Everything will bring you, when you start really understanding the power of the blood to cleanse, redeem, reconcile, bring back into life, renew, regenerate, and recover. God demands we recover everything. What do you think we sitting here, we pick and choosing and suppose David had not recovered everything, he'd have been as much trouble after the battle as he was before. We think there's certain things in our lives we don't want anymore. You're not given that liberty. To discard. You might as well just go and claim and possess everything. Because God holds us to account for it at some point. Huh? What about the mandate I gave you to, to, uh, you know, minister to people on the street. and Help them to understand who I am. What about those things? Huh? So he expects us to recover and to operate in everything that he's left for us to operate in. Luke 22. This is our remembrance of what really of the new covenant in in the blood of Jesus Christ. The old one was in animal sacrifices. The new ones in eternal blood, sinless blood, once and for all. Luke twenty-two twenty, I think it is, <clears throat> 19. He took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and said to them, This is my body, which is given for you. This is doing remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. So he tells us to remember him in this sacrament we call it of communion, of drinking the the uh, wine and, and, and taking the bread as symbolic of, of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Really what Jesus is saying here, when you do this, you're getting into partnership with me in life. Not me partnering with you and your skullduggery, shenanigans, huh? but you partner with me in the new life that I've ordained for you. 
And see, if you partner with me, each time we, we share this cup together, you and I refresh a remembrance of what I called you to do, what your life is supposed to be about, what I expect of you, how I reward you. We have a full conversation, a partnership in life, in the things pertaining to everlasting life. And things that will make it worth your while. You know, everlasting life really means that it's worth your while to get involved with it. It's not a dead work anymore. It's a living testament to the work of the cross, what comes across in your life. People can see the footprints of Jesus in your life. The bloody footprint. The blood-bought footprint. That you leave on the earth because only God could have helped you devise such a plan. Or only God could have helped you put that life together like that. Only God. And so God wants to to be that to us. He wants us to live such a life of submission to him. And holiness in him. That we begin to attract the right things. We begin to attract the right relationships, the right work to do for him. Everything is done out of righteousness and it's done right. And you won't have any fear about, well, suppose I mess this up or that never lingers on on a blood-bought person. You're free to go. In fact, the, the last thing you think about is the, the what if of messing up. Now, most of us, if we think about it, it's like, okay, so you 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 decide you want to pray for somebody. Maybe the first time you you attempt to do it, maybe by yourself or whatever, that thought, that age-old thought that comes to all believers, if I'm praying for them to be well, what if they don't get better? And then you find out. There, there's something in you that doesn't let that challenge you. It's like a thought that comes, a thought with no power. It's just something that s- tries to stop it, but it's got a feeble hand against it. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because there's a force of blood on the inside of you that says you can't fail. And that's what we need to focus on as far as the power of the blood in our lives. It tells the reason you can serve God without fear. The reason you can serve him uh, with with a, 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 a not a fear of, of everything falling apart when you touch it. Is because the blood gives you that foolproof assurance. So you can go confidently and do something. That a minute ago seemed really risky to you. Stop and praying for, for an accident victim. Police around, they could stop you, they could do anything. And then something in you says, do it anyway. That's the blood talking to you. Because that blood makes you fearless. And then God sees that person's life flowing out of them. And he says, you do this. And you stop and you obey God. 
And then when you get home, you look back and you say, now how in the world did I, on top of, see that's, you all know the power, that the blood does that for us. It'll do that for you and everything. See, we think that thing only works with with drastic things or emergency things or things that are way too big, but it'll work with your everyday life. It'll work with your you can go to work without fear. People backbiting, talking about you in the in the uh, coffee room and all that kind of stuff. You can walk right in there without fear and say, God, you know what? I claim this place for your kingdom. I will be the next person managing this place. I'm going to manage it for your glory. Why? Because there's no flaw in your life anymore when the blood's applied. You can't mess up, and you know you can't mess up, because the blood starts talking to you and giving you reassurance. Now you just trust me. We gonna, this is going to work. Amen? Just trust me. Make the next step. Keep it moving. Make the next step. Keep it moving, because this is going to work. Because you've got a no-fail covenant in God. As long as you're obeying him, According to what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do, it will work out. There may be times where it looks like trouble is headed your way. Huh? Most of us, we all know how to get under the blood then, don't we? Huh? I ain't antagonizing nobody. I ain't talking bad about nobody. Huh? You start upping your offering. Just a thought. Throw that in there while I'm talking about it. Huh? But Jesus said, as often as you drink the cup and eat the bread, you begin to demonstrate his life. So if you're feeling weak about anything, you sit down, get your Bible out. And you find your scripture that you need to focus on and make it real to you. And you sit there and you say, Jesus, you know what? I'm going to eat the cup. I mean, drink the cup and eat the bread to demonstrate your life coming in. And I renounce that weakness, that thing that I'm always scared of. I renounce that. And I'm asking you to just take it out of my life. Forgive me for even living under it for all this time. And I thank you, Lord, that your life, new life is coming into me now. In Jesus' name. Keep it a holy thing. Amen? And I ain't talking about doing this every morning or, you know, I mean, you know, some people kind of take things the wrong way and they lose their meaning after a while. But if you're having a difficult time getting beyond a certain restriction in your life, say, Lord, I just want to lay this down now and I don't ever want to pick it up again. And I know your blood is powerful enough to deliver me from the dominion of this one thing in my life. And just allow the Lord to work that way. Amen. There's so many ways he can work. You can be delivered by meditating on the word. You can be delivered through prayer. All kinds of ways. But Jesus is saying, remember me. Remember what I did for you. Don't remember your weakness. Don't remember your fear. Don't remember, if you want to get rid of that, I've created the communion and I'm partnering with you in your deliverance from this. Amen. And, and he will deliver you. He wants us to be free. Amen. 
the blood of Jesus speaks better things than the blood of bulls and goats. Hebrews 12. Let me see which one. I think it says 1224 here. Thank you, Lord. Trying to decide where to pick up. I guess 24. Amen. It says here, And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that speaks better things than that of Abel. The blood of Abel was innocent blood that was shed on the earth. So whenever innocent blood is shed, that blood has a voice before the throne of God. Think of all the people that die innocently. Abortion is a big one. And all those aborted babies... Their blood still speaks. And innocent blood really cries out for vengeance. It wants revenge on its life because that's God's word. Amen? A life for a life. And so when you talk about the voice of innocent blood, of shed innocent blood, how do we satisfy that crying out? For vengeance. Well, there's only one way it can be satisfied, and that's with the blood of Jesus. His voice speaks better things. His voice speaks forgiveness to people who are guilty of shedding innocent blood. His voice speaks redemption, and it speaks giving people an opportunity for a new life. There's a woman that... Uh, I know many of you have heard that that movie Unplanned, and uh, the woman that wrote the book was a Christian and was a director of a Planned Parenthood. And I remember when we started praying the abortion prayer, and that one aspect of the prayer that asked God to cleanse the minds of people who work in abortion so they can do his will. And it just seemed like the prayer's been going nowhere. I mean, to me, I mean, I, I don't know. I, but I know we do this by faith and we have to keep declaring these things. And at some point, God releases that. But when she tells a story about the day she she was working and in, in <laughs> assisting in abortions and she finally saw in the ultrasound a baby being ripped apart piece by piece by piece, and she couldn't stand it. She ran out of there. And she said, but all along the people, there have been a group of people praying in front of her clinic. And they knew her by name. She knew them by name. They would say, well, we're praying for you. She said, okay, thanks, I'm praying for you. And killing babies. And then it finally dawned on me, the Lord said, this is why it hasn't moved. He said, because my people are supporting it. 
said a house divided against itself won't stand. So little by little, he's been dismantling it. But we still got pro-choice Christians. They call it pro-choice, but they they are pro-death. Amen? And they will argue you a stiff one that they have a right to their opinions. And see, the blood says that's not so. The blood says you've been bought. And if you can pay a higher price than what Jesus paid, you can buy yourself back. But there is no higher price. So, you know, we pray for people to come out of deception, come out of ignorance, come out of stubbornness, stiff-neckedness, whatever it is, that keeps them adamant about things they claim to hold dear and believe. But I'm telling you, the blood is more powerful than our wrongs. It speaks forgiveness to people even when they stand against God's word. Those people do it all the time. Christians deceived. Think, they think they, they sound like nice people. That's what everybody's concerned about, sounding nice. So nobody will come and correct them. Huh? But see, God is raising up a people who don't care about anything except what he wants. The blood will make you not care about anything else except what God wants. It'll make you not care about anything else except what God wants. Because it is so thorough in its ability to convert and transform us into the people God wants us to be. Most of us are shocked at where we were 10, 15, 20 years ago and where we are now. And the real shocker is yet to come. And we ain't seen nothing yet. Amen. And God means that from the bottom of his heart. Because he loves us. He has an awesome holy plan for us. This plan is, is one that's forged in bloody footprints. And we have them all over that we can walk in to know the way. So for people that you've been praying for that... Don't don't really want to come in out of the world or whatever they think they're holding on to. There's a path where our, our ancestors, spiritual ancestors, have walked in blood to show that there is a covenant that will lead them in the proper way that they should go. It's there. You need to believe God to put their footprints in that, that they would step into that blood and let their feet be cleansed in it. And holiness come upon their lives, a a revelation of who they really are and that they can really walk in what God has for them. See, when that comes clear to them, there will be no stopping what God wants to do because the price is totally paid. There's no he held back nothing. So there's nothing holding us back. Amen. Except the decision to yield everything and follow him. Amen. Praise God. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy that follow us everywhere that we go. So, Lord, we honor you. We bless you. We praise you. And we magnify you. 
in the precious and the holy name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who was and is and is to come. Everybody repeat after me. I am healed. I'm forever healed. I don't have Rona. And she don't have me. I can't have Rona. And she can't have me. The blood of Jesus declares it so. So everybody say yes and amen. Amen and amen and amen and amen. Praise God. Amen. It is decreed. Amen. Praise God.